So. And look, I'll come. Let me finish. I'll tell you why my wife wanted the uh, the iPhone. Uh, a couple. This is how regular people think. She's got an iPad. She loves her iPad. So that makes her believe that. This she'll is love how her rich white iPhone. people think, Aunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Buffy, hand me my gold encrusted iPad. Hmm. We're gonna have class warfare right now. <laughs> I know, right? Me, me, and Aunt have our fifty-nine dollar Pantech Android devices. <laughs> you guys got your white, shiny, bejeweled freaking iPads. <laughs> hey man, my wife's from South of the place. Oh, he's not all that white but anyhow that's right i like seeing larry and his wife roll through our ghetto and they like roll up the windows and lock the doors and don't stop at stop signs <laughs> oh it's getting to be a tough crowd here tonight you would be surprised <laughs> please Thirty first, two thousand twelve, episode eleven of yet another tech show. It's Yats over at yet another tech show dot com. Watch us live every week. Yet another tech show dot com slash live. I'm Matt Lee. Joining me tonight, we have Aunt Pruitt. What's going on? We have Larry Press. How are you guys? We have Mike Rothman. Hello, everyone. And that's the crew. That's Yats. That's it. You guys can email us the crew at yet another tech show dot com. And interact with us socially with all of our neat little social networking icons on the site. Check it out. Uh, we missed last night. I had a wicked day at work. I'm not even going to talk about it because I don't want to get sad. And uh, we were missing a couple other people. So here we are on a Thursday just doing our thing. Uh, let's start things out with Tim Cook. He was uh, discussing some tablet uses, some use cases. Uh, who wants to start things off with that, Larry? Was that you? Not me. It was. Uh, was that Ant? No, that's me. Oh, I was watching a little bit of the uh, All Things D conference going on there outside. <clears throat> I think it's going on somewhere outside of L.A. Um, with the uh, Walt Mossberg and Kara Swisher. Great. It's usually a pretty good conference. I was hoping Zuckerberg would be there, but. You know, but that's another story. But um, Tim Cook was there, and this is one without Steve Jobs. And, of course, you know, they talked about him and reflected on some of his legacy and the stuff that he brought. Um, but then they talked about the whole tablet versus um, PC game that's going on. And last week we talked about Microsoft wanting to put Microsoft Office on cross-platforms and so forth. And well, Tim keep Cook's- in Keep in mind that they, was just a rumor. They they yeah. they neither confirmed nor denied that that right. fact. But we we all see it pretty much coming. Right. They need to. And, <laughs> I mean, what yeah, else, they, what else are they going to put it on Windows Phone? Right. I mean, if you want people to use it, yeah, yeah, they should. You know, but what, that still remains to be seen. Just like you said. Of course. But um, Tim Cook was was looking at you know the iPad, and I like how he said, um, you know, we didn't invent the the tablet market, you know, pretty much they just made it better and, and they're now dominated as we all know. But the problem is people are wanting to use that tablet as a, uh, uh, as a laptop computer when that's not necessarily the case, you know, and I believe his quote says, in my view, the tablet and PC are different. You can do things with the tablet if you're not encumbered by the legacy of the PC. Well, and wasn't and, that the initial argument for the iPad was that it was a, a consumption device and not a production device? But then that that's what they created it to be. But you never know what it's going to end up being until people get it in their hands and say, well, this is what I'm using it for. This is what my use case because everyone's going to you know use it differently. And more times than not, I feel like people ended up 
trying to produce on it. So then that creates a, a new niche that Apple needs to fill with uh, accessories or peripherals to allow easier production on that device. I can remember when the iPad came out and you could start seeing it all over Hollywood in the different TV shows and whatnot. And I remember watching Entourage. <laughs> I don't know if y'all have ever seen that. But they're in that boardroom and one of these fancy big wig agents walks in with his iPad. And then, of course, he sits down. He's got a little keyboard, Bluetooth keyboard with it. And that craze is just still continuing on because people are insisting on this thing being a laptop. Well, so that and, happened, right? And then we have the trans yeah. devices like the Transformer Prime where you have that niche pretty much complete there where you can get the keyboard and it's made to fit like a laptop. And even before that, we saw the Lenovo X1, which I don't yep. think ever made it to market, but that was a I brilliant... I think that was just a CES exclusive, yeah, I, I thought <laughs> I thought that thing was so cool. If you guys know what we're talking about, Google it. It's the Lenovo X1. Basically, it was a laptop... And you could pop the screen out, and the laptop ran Windows, or was it Nix? It was some Unix, Linux yeah. version, I think. But yeah, then one piece ran Linux, another piece ran, um, what do you call it, uh, Windows. Let me, let me yeah. ask you, are there some good examples of stuff that have been, what kind of things have people created with uh, Apple? What? Like You're really artists. quiet, Larry. Speak up, Larry. We can't hear you, Larry. Speak up. You can't hear me? Speak up. About now. There you go. All right. What, what sort of stuff are people, what are some good examples or a class of people that are creating stuff on iPads? Emails. That's all people are creating, emails. And even that's crappy to type on one of those things. Right. I believe that's Tim Cook's whole point. You know, this is not necessarily something to replace the PC, but third parties are, are attempting to make it that way. And he went into a little more detail talking about, okay, if we want to make it more into a PC, that means we need to boost up the processing power on it and, and different components and whatnot. But then you take away from the form factor of the device. He says, everybody wants this thing to be super thin. Nobody wants to lug this thing around if it's bigger than a laptop well, or just as big as a laptop people you know? want it super thin and they want the battery to last forever and they want i mean people want yeah. unrealistic you know that, and that's why you have to just give them what they want not ask them what do you want because they'll never be happy you never ever satisfy everybody but, you but know more is law. technology improvement will take care of that kind of thing but it won't take care of how do you get input into it you know, but it'll never replace. It won't take care. It, a really fast, powerful computer in five years can be really skinny, and the battery will last a long time, and the display will have a lot of pixels. But yeah, I have a key. I still don't want to type on the screen. Yeah, I agree. Now, what what made it interesting? What I thought was interesting was just it. It looks like two different trains of thought from Apple versus Microsoft. You know, and again, this is still a rumor and speculation with Microsoft trying to put Microsoft Office on tablet devices wanting you to be productive. And Tim Cook is saying, no, we don't want that. <laughs> you know, we, we, we're wanting to use this as media consumption and maybe a little bit of multimedia creativity of some sort. You know, I still think things like editing photos on there is, might be a little cumbersome, but... Uh this is a a line of debate that I think Apple and Microsoft and Google and others are going to continue to pursue for some time to come. Because essentially, Microsoft has taken a different approach than Apple in, in the development of its operating system. Going forward, Apple's going to develop two closely related operating systems, the Macintosh iOS uh, operating system, for the Macintosh and iOS for the iPad, iPhone, iDevices, whereas Windows increasingly is going to be one integrated operating system that will work on your tablet, laptop, desktop, telephone, and so on. Mm -hmm. and, well, and, and think of it this way. If they don't, someone else is going to. So that, And that's what we saw like a big niche open up for the Android tablets to take advantage of the, because the iPad was first in that that space and they did it really well, it allowed the other manufacturers to see what people are complaining about 
and then fill those those gaps. And, and we saw that done really well with the Prime, uh, with the Zyborg, with with any other Android tablet, with the Note. Even I mean these these are all iterations that are filling gaps left by Apple and what they had uh, their main vision uh, to accomplish. I'm a little frustrated with all of the the coverage and attention that the Tim Cook uh, interview garnered. I don't in all of that that I've seen, and I didn't, I didn't, I haven't seen the interview itself. But in the coverage I've seen, I haven't seen that he made he announced anything new. No, he did or made mm-hmm. any news. No, he didn't plan on doing that. Um, that was actually one of his topics. Um, he says they're going to be even tighter, theoretically, on um, leaking out information for their new products. Um, he, he also talked about wanting to sort of change the game far as he's wanting other companies to copy them far as how they do different innovation and how they do different things far as socially and whatnot. But as far as telling what these new products are coming down the pipe, He's, they're going to be very, very tight-lipped on it now. Well, and wasn't forward. wasn't this a little bit, too, of Tim Cook kind of trying to establish his own, like, right. I'm the CEO now, stop asking me what Jobs would have done. This is my company right. now. Well, not hit, but you, you know what I'm saying. So he's. I think he used some of that time, and we saw it in uh, – uh, where was that? One of the quotes where where he's he's trying to to kind of get away from from that whole you know Steve Jobs era and, and establish moving forward. This is how I want it done. We're not going to leak to the Wall Street Journal. We're not going to leak to to all these different you know uh, news outlets. We're going to run it this way. And, and I think he did a really good job filling the shoes for one, and then continuing forward. You know, now with all of this said, there's still one more thing going on. Now, now you heard Google released their new Chromebook. Now that's a whole nother mobile productivity product out there now. And I don't know if you guys remember the first Chromebook. Um, it was a little underwhelming, you know, as far as just the operating system in general. And then uh, I, I believe uh, what was I watching? I think it was Tech News Today or some something like that. And they were talking about just the materials of the original Chromebook. It was it was nice to get it when when you first got it, but then it sort of felt chinky and cheap, and the keyboard felt all weird. But supposedly these new ones are much better quality materials, and now the OS is going to have a windowing system similar to what most people are used to now, instead of the the whole just your browser <laughs> is the OS. When well, we have apps that do that over on the Android side, I can't speak to the Apple side. I don't have any of those devices to play with, but we have uh, apps that kind of will will split the screen up. Or And this is only useful if you have a decent size screen device. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, try try doing it on the Droid X. You know, you're going to cut this in half right here and have your little window here and a little window there or something. Like, yeah. It doesn't make Not sense. Not so much. But for yeah, a tablet, say you... You need multiple screens when you're creating stuff, not more than you're consuming. Well, say you have your Transformer Prime right here. You have it in the dock. Now you can have your research on one side. And it, even certain apps are starting to do this. I know the Google Drive, they have a pane on, on one side here that is for, like, your research or whatever. And then you have your document that you're typing in. So That's if, true. I if, have noticed that. If apps don't build it in, then there will be other apps that will add that functionality, you know, in, internally. But it's interesting to see where it goes. Or if you can even have, say, two iPads in one dock with one keyboard that lets you window it that way. You know, it, it depends how much money you want to spend. I mean, at that point, you might as well just buy a damn laptop. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, Mike, let me ask yeah. you back, back to what you said. Yeah. You think people are, you say that Microsoft, I agree, Microsoft says they're going to, you know, one operating system for everything. But do you, don't you think that people with laptops and doing creative stuff are going to boot into the old, whatever the, the classic windows and the, and, and the other will be a tablet thing. Do you really think that the tablet thing will eventually take over the world? Well, I, no, I don't. I think, I think the desktop is going to be with us for a long time to come, but I also think we're going to see starting next year, uh, Intel based tablets that run, a full desktop along with 
the um, the metro interface so that you can have on that tablet a desktop with apps that are going to have to be a little customized for touch interface and you can flip back and forth metro well and what metro is i think a long term that by microsoft that use is going to migrate to metro style apps and what's but wrong that'll take years what's wrong with having the choice though we talked about this on the android show about how these manufacturers that are skinning over the top of android what what does it hurt them to put an option in there that just disables it the people that are like our parents our grandparents that aren't going to care they're not going to disable it, so who cares? But let those of us that want to at least have that capability. And you could do that with, you know, with the Metro and, you know, the people that want Windows use Windows. The people that want Metro use Metro. Like, what does it hurt them yeah. just incorporating the choice? Or even make it smart if it sees or if it senses or whatever that it's on a laptop then boot into that mode and then give the user the option to change it from there but it can detect what it's being used on i i just don't see why they don't just go that route and at least just build in the choice so that you can yeah, pick it's it's really easy to switch from one to the other well i agree it could be automatic but i think i, I yeah what mike is saying and, and i think what Manta said i think there's it's just like having ios and and uh Apple's operating system, they're going to be used different. Even though you've got them both on your machine, if I'm using my laptop, I'm going to boot into a traditional desktop, whatever you call it. Larry, I think you're, I think you're basically right. For a long time to come now, I think the Windows experience is going to feel bifurcated. You're going to have to think about Windows on the desktop or Windows on Metro, and they're going to be rather different things. I think they'll evolve over time. I, I, the thing I've noticed with my laptop, I've been running the uh, the developer preview on the laptop for probably four months now. It it sleeps beautifully. The laptop goes to sleep almost instantly, and it wakes up from sleep in about five seconds. And that means I ne very rarely reboot the laptop, and I almost always have it in desktop mode. So. I put it to sleep as a desktop. It wakes back up as a desktop. I could almost never see the Metro interface if I didn't want to. You know, I, I went to the uh, build conference when they first announced it. And they were saying, they were asserting really strongly at that time that, hey, every laptop in the world is going to have a touch screen and you're going to be doing Metro on your laptop. Um, but I still, I, I don't buy it. At least I haven't seen figured out how to do it. You know what? I, where I think that is going, uh, and we're seeing this starting today in the consumer preview that has just been released today by uh, by Microsoft. Uh, one of its big features is a is a touch sensitive touch pads. So you can now do on your touch pad. You can now do pinch to zoom. You can do edge motions, and you can do swipes. Much on, that's on the touchpad on a laptop, say, yeah. much as you could on a screen of a phone. So it, it may be for the time being, the way we interact with the touch interface is through our touchpads rather than with touch screens. Now, doesn't the OSX camp offer something like that already with their magic trackpad? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But the Microsoft guys at Build were they weren't talking about that. They were saying you will be touching your laptop's screen, and they they also made a prediction that every laptop on Earth within a year would come with a touch screen. And uh, I don't know, man. I'm so I don't know. I I I just want to see the the sticker price on that. <laughs> that Build conference was like five six months ago, and I have yet to see those things start to even. Yeah stick their head up over the horizon. Well, they won't tell Windows 8 really is. Uh, yeah. They'll come in with Windows 8 installed on it. Well, and I can see why it didn't catch on at first, because the, even this HP tablet computer I have, like the, the touch screens when these came out, they were terrible clarity. Like they they looked like a touch screen, you know, like now, I mean, you compare, you compare, well, you can't really see this, but you compare the, the HP tablet touch screen 
to the even the Transformer Prime screen, this looks like my LCD, my widescreen here. The the touch screen here has like a weird tint to it, and it, it I don't know, it's just it's thick and bulky and just crappy. If they make them like this, I think then then they're onto something. And what's what's the difference uh, between putting in just a regular screen or just making them all touch screen? If you want to touch it, touch it again, having that choice. And if you don't, then don't. But a touch screen must add costs, right? I mean, go on. I don't nowadays. I don't think so. I mean, what's I, I don't know. I, if you can make a, a a tablet for you know under a couple hundred bucks, we talked about this on Attack of the Androids on Tuesday that there we're seeing a lot of these really low end cheap tablets, and I mean, yeah, it is a lot of them out there, and they're running ICS too. Yeah, I and think you can get like a, a seven inch one for like a hundred and fifty dollars shipped. Right, right and they're ICS. saying you know you get what you pay for, but the the overall message that this is possible and it's possible in a decent price. And I mean, we saw Amazon, I think, was the first to do you know the what did they call that? They had a name for it, the loss leader or something like that. Yeah, but so you can make make something like that cheap enough to where it gets in the hands of everybody, and then you know you start upgrading from there. I think that's probably right. Although I'm really holding out for a the when I use a laptop, I want to use a laptop with a screen that's twelve, fourteen, fifteen inches wide. You got it. You got to need that nineteen twenty pixels across. Yeah, <laughs> Those big exactly. HP laptops that had the full keyboard with the number pad and everything, they, you opened it up with two hands. Yeah. <laughs> Those things were yeah, massive, yeah. but that kind of defeats the purpose of being portable. But at that point, what, you have that for your desktop and then a tablet for your laptop. So everything kind of shuffles down one, you know? Yeah, although that 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 uh, laptop that you just described fits just fine in my lap. And I can I can happily browse and compute and work on that laptop for hours. I would mind. I I live on a laptop and I stick it in a backpack when I go somewhere and. And see, but I now I think it's different use cases though because I agree with the both of you. I love those larger ones that are out there now that has the number number pad on the right hand side and so forth. But the sales folks and the people that I deal with that are out in the field. I'm constantly hearing, can we get lighter laptops? Can we get lighter laptops? Okay, you know? so here, check out check out my main camera here. So this is there's the transfancy. There's the Transformer Prime screen. Nice. There's the HP tablet laptop with missing keys. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm missing teeth, man. <laughs> I know, right? Spilled a soda on it or whatever. But you can clearly see, I mean, even with this, you know, my shaky hands, like the the prime is crystal clear. Yeah. This has like a there's a weird kind of tint to it. And that's I mean, that's not the camera. That's what it looks like. So uh, that's what I was saying back then I can see why nobody wanted them, you know. It was more yeah. of a a gimmick than anything, but if you can make right. it look like this and function like that, I think you're you're gold. Yeah, that's the future, man. I think you just pointed the way to the future. It is, and it goes back to what Jeremy Lesniak said in that we need to. It's his minimalist fantasy where I have one device and maybe some peripherals and accessories that connect to it somehow via wireless, Bluetooth, you know, whatever. And and it does everything, but but it's one device. And when I'm ready to upgrade, I pop out the chip module and I pop in the quantum chip module, and there we go. But that'll never happen because these companies make their money by selling us disposable technology. Yeah, and don't nobody want to walk around with a ten inch cell phone on their face either. Hello, <laughs> hello. Yeah. Hold on, my tumor is calling. Hold on, hello. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. But I mean, how how much longer are we really walking around talking on cell phones? How much in t- how much longer until I can just think something and ant is like, "Oh no, I agree." But he <laughs> thinks it. I'm in your mind. I'm in your mind's eye. All right, uh moving on, let's talk about Kickstarter for a moment, Larry. You had a an interesting project here that's going to fund really the yeah. arts. Yeah, it's a um, it's a Kickstarter project. This is what the deal is. 
somebody has taken Box Goldberg variations and they've done two things. One is made a, a, a machine readable score using uh, some open source software, Music Score or something, which I had never heard of. But evidently it's, it's really powerful and very, very commonly used. So they did, they created the score and then they took a well-known pianist, went into a studio and made a professional recording of it, and then put both the score and the recording in the public domain. So, you know, absolutely, uh, you know, it's, it's no rights reserved. It's, it's uh, Creative Commons zero, not like it's totally public domain now. And they raised, they had a goal of $15,000 to do the project on Kickstarter. And they raised, I forget, 20 some thousand dollars. They did the project and it's done. And this is just, um, it's really cool. I'm not a musician. I'm not any kind of a musician, but I just totally tripped out on it. You can go there, you can download it, you can listen to it. And it's, to me, it's a cool business model. For $15,000, you can take and make a really high-end classical recording and come up with a really fine machine readable score that people can ma manipulate and tweak and do whatever they want to with it. And, um, you know, Kickstarter, I, 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 it said to me right away, well, shit, why not do that for a thousand different pieces? And Kickstarter, you're not going to get the 15,000 a thousand times, but $15,000 is something that a grant from the National Endowment of the Arts could cover. A university can cover it. So it just seems like this might really disrupt the, um, the classical music market. I got all excited by it. Disrupt it or maybe enhance it? Well, I mean, disrupt it in the sense that the record companies that, uh, you know, uh, have the, the people that, that have copyrights on, on particular, you know, on scores, on paper scores, uh, the record companies that, you know, sell on CDs or, or however they sell that, you know, they own the copyright to the piece of music. Um, this is a way to get public domain, high quality performances, and also machine readable scores into the public domain at a at a reasonable price. One thing about just in in music in general, I'm I'm I have yeah, one or go to other kinds of music. I have I'm one or two about. more songs on this hip hop album that I'm finished, and I was thinking I want to give the album away for free. If you go to the slash music I have two albums up there that I made that are all free. But there's a cost involved in paying my producer and paying the kid that made the beats and paying. It's going to end up, you know, in upwards of probably a grand. And I want to give this away for free just so that people can hear our music. They hear the beats he made. They hear the lyrics I write. And, and there you go. Listen to something new. But I don't want to be out of pocket $1,000 to do that. I mean, I'm going to be because I like making the music, but I would rather have something I don't and I haven't figured this out yet but there there's a way to put it on Kickstarter and say you know everybody that pitches in 5 bucks will get an autograph whatever or will get even uh, a live sessions of me recording the song so you can hear my f ups and you can hear the the outtakes and the bloopers <laughs> or you get the or you get the rough draft so you can hear the progression of it and people that are interested in music I think would be interested in I would pitch in five bucks to hear, uh, you know, Slug from Atmosphere record rough drafts as he's producing this album and have that whole collection. You know, I think that would be really interesting. But I think that in and of itself is disrupting the whole music industry along with doing what we're doing here. This is the same equipment, this microphone, this laptop, this computer. This is what I use to record my rap music with. You know, I throw the beat here, I throw headphones here, and I rap into this microphone, and it's done. You couldn't do that 10 years ago. I have all the stuff to do it here, and it's cheap to, to do, assuming, you know, you have the, the know-how to do it. And I think that's creating a lot of people like me that have a little bit of talent, hopefully, and, you know, now we can make music rather than having to go fish out a record deal or send demos to 100 places and get taken advantage of and this and that. I just want to record a rap song and give it away. That's all. And, and this is enabling us to do it. And with Google Music, you can sell your stuff on there, or give it away for free or whatever. You can say, just give me what you think it's worth. And that's kind of the route I want to go with it. And that's, I mean, the same with classical, the same with any anything. I, hip hop's easier because it's, 
me writing and then a kid that made the beats we don't have a band we don't have you know instruments to mic it's all on the computer you know and hey, I, hey I larry know. thanks for pointing this story out i think this is a fabulous story i hadn't really focused on this until just now as you were talking about it but i i trust me later tonight or tomorrow uh my wife and i are going to sit down and sort of study this thing she's a she's a classically trained musician and would would know the uh, the uh, Goldberg variations uh, and the opportunity to see a great pianist or hear a great pianist perform the work as the sheet music goes by. Yeah, it's cool. That's hot, it's man. Very, very that is cool. hot. It's like the little dancing ball in the movies when we were kids. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the, my other connection with this is to be reminded of uh, just about a century ago, the player piano craze where, where you would, you'd get a, a musician to, in essence, record a piano performance on paper with, on, on a piano roll. It then could be reproduced on any other player piano. But of course, that's a technology. And then, and, and then you get sued for copyright infringement. Oracle. Hey, Oracle, how did that case end up? Did you make money or did you lose money? I don't mean to shift gears so quick, but man, talk about shooting yourself in the foot. Idiots. The thing that's copywritten is the recording or the physical script. It's not the, you know, Bach lived a long time ago. Even, even my funny... Uh, What's his name? Sonny and Cher. What's that guy? Sonny. Sonny Bono. Sonny Bono. Bono's, uh, thing. It's out of copyright in that sense. But Mike, let me um, back to what you said. One of the this this lady is is pretty savvy. The first of all, and this is to Matt too. This is how she's going to make money. Okay, Kickstarter. They did a Kickstarter project to produce it. Yeah. But going forward, she does concerts. Okay. They, yeah. She said she got 100,000 downloads the first day. Okay, 100,000 people. Some of those are going to go to her concert. So her concert yeah. is Somebody's going to look her up. Well, that was yeah. my whole idea starting out with this, is that you don't make money selling music anymore. You give the music away for free. I think I've said this on many shows many times before. You make the music, give it away for free. People hear the music, they like it. So when you come and perform, you can't just be... What do they call it? A couch or a net MC? You can't just sit on your chair and write rap music. Writing rap music and performing rap music are two completely different things. It takes breathing control. And I mean, being up in front of people as opposed to being in front of your computer screen, not everyone can do that. I've heard some great poets and MCs that get up in front of a crowd and they crap their pants. You know, I, I happen to be able to do it just because I'm not shy and I, I don't care what, you know, I, I can do it. But not everyone can do that. And people that hear your music and like it are going to buy your merchandise, your shirts, your stickers, whatever. And they're going to pay to come see you perform. I don't want to pay for music. I want to pay for a performance. And I think that's where, you know, the majority of people are going to make their money doing that. So give Let the music away for free. That, that might help him out. Another deal this lady is, is offering is the following. If you will, and this, your wife would be perfect for yeah. this. If you will write a review of her, of this performance. Yes. But she says a serious review and she gives you some criteria, not a, uh, just, hey, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Post it on Facebook, on your blog, in a music forum, wherever you post it, you send her a link and she'll send you a, a two CD set. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. And that, by the way, is what the the people that went into uh, the Kickstarter project, that was their prize. They got this two-CD set. I will sing you. Is she a a fine musician? She's also a savvy social media marketer. Yeah. I will sing your comment back to you in the form of an opera. Thank you for pointing this stuff out, Larry. I, hey, listen, man. I am not a musician, and I'm not even all that. I'm not a music lover. I gotta admit it. I but hate I'm music. Just so tripped on what this lady did. I got all excited. <laughs> and the thing is that what I said is true. And I don't know, if, you know, if you're all these okay, the Goldberg variations, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, whatever. Those are respectable enough and well known 
the foundations will put up the ten, fifteen thousand dollars to do a project like this. Oh, and for sure. Thousands of these turkeys in a couple. You bet, absolutely. And, and you know, it's it introduces uh, those hundred thousand downloads introduced probably fifty thousand people to music they haven't experienced before. It's all about harnessing the power of your social network and using it in a way that is not spammy. There's a happy medium in there where you're letting people know something cool, but you're not like shoving it down their throat. I've found the best way to do that is to have your friends do that, not you. If it's something they made, I'll push it. If it's something I made, you're going to push it. And that, that people are way more receptive we learned this when we first started the jam hole that people are so much more receptive when it comes from somebody else that is removed from the group. If any of us tell people, of course I want you to listen to it because it's our show. But if one of their friends tells them, that's going to have way more worth than if one of us tells them. And that, I mean, it's all in the you know common sense how to harness the power of the book, how to harness the power of the tweet, you know that stuff. Which is new. It's all new. Download download this software for your wife because it sounds like it's really, uh, I mean, I've I've never used it, obviously, but it sounds like it's really mature uh, scoring and notation software. And, you know, she can make her own variations on the the variations. You know? How cool is that? This is what I love about technology. Right? What would that have taken? I want to download it. What would that have taken to accomplish over, you know, a decade ago? A whole radio station yeah. recording studio? Don't don't even don't even music, think about it. Music editing thing. I mean, yeah, I'm even tempted to try it. I try it. Mary had a little lamb in this. Well, hey, Larry, I'll I'll tell you what. I'll let you try it, and you can edit tonight's show. And then that'll that'll get your feet wet just a little bit, you know. Uh, that's different, kind of. I'm a. Uh, it's a different level of hell. I'll tell you what. We have Dante. Dante went through the first seven. Matt's editing studio is down there in the eighth level of hell. <laughs> no, I got to check out this software because it's music composition software. And it doesn't have to be classical music. Uh, right. Check it out too, man. You know what I've been having fun with is, is I use my Transformer Prime with Google Drive to uh, write my hip hop. And... I have two keyboards on the Prime that do predictive text, and the more you use it, the more it learns what you're doing, and I find myself, I almost feel like it's cheating, just kind of letting the keyboard write the rap song and seeing what it predicts next, based on what, it's really interesting what what it comes up with, and then use that as, you know, sometimes it's total crap, but sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, that's yeah, high five tablet, right on one. <laughs> it's interesting. It predicts. You know, I don't know. It's, it's kind of. I cool. need video of you high five in your tablet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Man, I'll start a Kickstarter be, for it. <laughs> oh man! All right. Any uh, final words on that? Let's move on. Uh, let's see. Whose wife got an iPhone 4s? My wife. And who I washed? Did you wash it because it's white and it looks like crap after about a week because our hands are greasy or what? Hey, listen, I'm on this show. You guys represent the uh, avant-garde, the latest and greatest. I represent the regular old people. You're retro. I I said you're retro. I'm poor. Ant's urban. And Mike, Mike's the voice of reason. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) You got it. Hey, speaking of the voice of reason, did you replace your phone? Did you get a? Uh... Did you get income, Mike? Well, I, listen, I had been watching the uh, internet on a daily basis. The uh, what HTC channel is that on? Has been, has been held up in some uh, customs in Broglio, and only in the last day or so have. Uh, story's been running that says uh, AT&T is now back in stock. So well, the- earlier today, I reactivated the order uh, for the for the replacement phone. Yeah. And uh, 
the the AT&T, this is a national call center I was on to, the AT&T call, national call center said that they had 300 in stock. And they weren't able to assure me that they could fill my order. But, you know, if the problem is now resolved, AT, uh, HTC is going to start delivering those things in mass, and I'll have the new phone shortly. Well, they got released from customs a, a bit ago, like more than a, just a couple days ago. But the problem was they were so back ordered. <laughs> you yeah. know, they were rushing to get those filled. So they they haven't been stuck in customs for a minute now. But they they got so behind because of that, which kind of I'm curious: Are they going to go after Microsoft or who who put the stop to it? Who who caused that to happen? Because I could see them going after them for lost sales, for damages, or whatever in this sue happy economy we find ourselves in. You know, I don't know that I'm at. I've gotten to the bottom of that story about why they were held in customs. Uh, I thought it was patent issues. It was, it was patent stuff, right? Yeah, well, I, yes, but what patents and who was claiming patent violation? You, you know, all of that. That those details I'm unclear on. Oh, we we need a uh, we need a a lawyer to consult with us on patent law, and it'll put me right to sleep. Okay, so after this is uh, the the HTC Evo 4G LTE. It says uh, this is from UnwiredView.com. Uh, Vlad Boblinterabla. Uh, he says earlier they they mentioned that it was just a matter of days, and now they have an actual release date, which is Saturday, June 2nd. Uh, Sprint was kind enough to let us know that its retail stores will be operating on normal business hours on Saturday, making sure that all of you who want the new Evo will be able to get one. Uh, of course, it's available online, uh, like they said, and it's $199.99 for a two-year contract. So and look, I'll come. Let me put it. I'll tell you why my wife wanted the uh, the iPhone. Uh, a couple. This is how regular people think. She's got an iPad. She loves her iPad. So that makes her believe that. This is love how her rich white people iPhone. think, Aunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Buffy, hand me my gold encrusted <laughs> iPad. Hmm. We're gonna have class warfare right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Me me and Ant have our fifty nine dollar Pantech Android devices. <laughs> you guys got your white, shiny, bejeweled freaking iPads. <laughs> hey man, my wife's from South of the forties. Oh, <laughs> He's not all that white. But anyhow. That's right. I like seeing Larry and his wife roll through our ghetto, Ant. They like roll up the windows and lock the doors and don't stop at stop signs. <laughs> oh, it's getting to be a tough crowd here tonight. Ghettos in Montana. You would be surprised. <laughs> Matt, and, and who's who's talking to his white kid with all this expensive bike hanging? <laughs> hey, I stole this from some other white kid. Come on. <laughs> I'm gonna buy this. I'm actually squatting. I'm squatting this whole place. I don't even know whose house this is. Some kid named the Jamal. I don't know. No, you know what else she like? This is how people think, man. She she like okay. I'm trying to say, hey, wait until the next one comes out and you can have uh, you know 4G. Screw that. that. I want it now. (laughs) Yeah, she wants it now. She likes the fact that the rumors are that the next one's going to be bigger. She likes it small. She got small hands. She doesn't want a bigger phone. And the other thing is, we got a deal where she gets, uh, though I don't think she's going to use it, unlimited data for thirty bucks a month. And wow, that's cool. Yeah. How did how did that happen? It's a it's an outfit that's up here. Um, I don't know near UCLA, and they are a a big uh, business supplier. And so they have a contract with Verizon to, the guy showed me, they, they spend $600,000 a month or something with Verizon. And the, and we are essentially a subcontractor to them on that. And they give us unlimited data for 30 bucks a month. Oh, they piggybacking off their infrastructure. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like a business supplier, not a retailer. I don't know what Okay, okay uh, so Mike, I, you were they, a reseller. Mike. They're a reseller, of, but they're reselling bandwidth as, as well as little phones. But um, the truth is, I don't think there's any way on earth that she's going to use, I mean, you know, unlimited. I think yeah. that their highest category below unlimited is two gig or something. She'll never use it. 
Well, Larry, it means you can swipe the phone and watch movies on her phone and not feel guilty about using I, her bandwidth. I, listen, man, we, I, we were out today, and I said, let me, she had a, she's broke her wrist, so we were getting her in x-rays and stuff. So we're sitting there, and I'm in the waiting room, and they offer you Wi-Fi, and I say, no, I don't want Wi-Fi. So I sat and watched the video over 3G. Just because to eat some of that. Just because you want to eat it up, man. That's bad. And then his wife wonders why she's getting throttled. <laughs> so uh, to go back to the HTC uh, thing, it was Apple that uh, originally caused it. It was an ugly legal battle between Apple and HTC over the Android operating system. Uh, and that was uh, over a patent. That's what caused them to get held up in customs. Uh, like we mentioned, it was the One X uh, or the HTC Evo 4G LTE. That was a terrible name, by the way. Uh, Apple won an order last December from the ITC, that's the International Trade Commission, uh, which ruled that HTC's phones had violated an Apple patent on a technology that lets you... <laughs> are you ready for this? The technology right. lets you tap on a phone number in an email, text message or web page and dial that number. Like yeah, really? Yeah. No really? Really? And that's See, a it, patent. It broke down to basically saying, okay, if if I go out and make a chair, Ashley yeah. Furniture is probably going to sue me because I made a chair. You know, we made the chair first. No, that's you can it. make the chair. You're just not allowed to sit in it. Our chair you know, is for <laughs> kneeling. This is a kneeling chair. You make a chair without that. It's so asinine. Isn't it? The exclusion order took effect on April 19th. Any phones imported before then were able to be sold, but as of that date, they were then barred from importing phones until Customs gives its seal of approval. Which, okay, why did Customs give a seal? Exactly. What, what does Customs have to do? I mean, I get their Customs, but they don't know. Like, what do you think? I, I, I think I read that HTC removed the offending functionality and replaced it with something that wasn't covered by Apple's patent. And then Android sues Apple over copy and paste. <laughs> like, that's the same yeah. thing. Come on. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, HTC had imported some 1X models before April 19th, which is the one Mike dropped in the toilet. Uh, or yeah. no, he dropped it outside <laughs> of the car. Right. Guilty. Uh, but then they could not get any additional uh, uh, phones shipped. Uh, they said that this was a tough break for HTC, which already has been having a bad year. The Taiwan-based company has fallen behind Samsung in the Android smartphone market. Uh, in the most recent numbers, HTC sales dropped 35% and profits 70%. Which is what I was thinking. Can they then in turn go after Apple for that 70% drop in profit or that 35% drop in, or excuse me, yeah, drop in, in sales? Or is that probably, over and done with? Probably it would hinge on whether or not they had, quote, violated a patent. Whether it's a, you know, such a dorky patent. It yeah. is. It seems so, so silly. So then they say uh, HTC's official statement on the matter, quote, HTC has completed the review process with U.S. Customs and HTC devices have been released as they are in compliance with the ITC's ruling. Future shipments should continue to enter the U.S. and we are confident that we will soon be able to meet the demand for our products. Hey, Matt, did they change the phone? Did they do something like change a ROM or something? Uh, it just says that they went back through it and fixed it, I guess. It doesn't really say. It just says that they completed they the review. I some licenses for the previous versions. Because wasn't it up to version 2.2 Android? I think that's how it went. No, that was a different one. I feel like it wasn't that. Oh, okay. That was the Apple, or excuse me. <laughs> The Google Oracle thing, and that was uh, ICS moving forward, removed that nine lines of code. What was it? The range check or whatever. That's right. You and we, we did That's a couple right. full special episodes, me and Eric Finkenbeiner uh, from attackoftheandroids.com uh, on solely Google versus Oracle. So you guys can check that out. Um, this, stuff is, this stuff is so bogus. So it, here's there's two patents then that Apple successfully challenged, uh, two patent infringements by HTC in the courts. One of them 
uh, patent 5946647 on a system and method for performing an action on a structure in computer-generated data. And then patent 6343263 is on a real-time signal processing system for serially transmitted data. Uh, in simple words, Apple is accusing HTC for stealing their technologies. That's my technology, and you can't have it. Meh. I'm not rich enough. Greedy bastards. Right? Yeah. Can we gonna, stop being so freaking greedy? Right. Let's the idea of an array. How about a stack? Hey, patent a stack. I mean, this Take so that cool. array and flip it on its side and stack it. <laughs> no, seriously, how can you patent something like... Yeah, it's... That... That's a classic example of what's wrong with our patent system in regards to technology. That's yes. The, what that's happens the if there's an app that lets you click on phone numbers that doesn't come from HTC? I mean, can just you write an app that lets you click on phone numbers. Larry, just like Weird Al Yankovic said, "I'm gonna sue, sue, I'm gonna sue you." <laughs> <laughs> Such an awesome song. I'm gonna sue. Uh, even though AT&T began selling the 1X on May 6th, their website says uh, temporarily out of stock. The HTC 4G LTE Evo Lite blah, blah, uh, features ICS with HTC Sense, of course, the 1.5 dual gig uh, Snapdragon processor. So. so I hope to have the 1X soon, and I will report on it. Cool. Can't wait for you to send it to me so I can play with it. <laughs> good try Matt I know that's all I can do alright uh, let's see some breaking news uh, Google Plus getting rid of uh, they're doing some changes here they're they're adding local you guys I don't know if you saw the app uh, let's see here if you go to your Google Maps it shows now instead of uh, what, I forget what it was called before places I believe places it was places so now, and, and the, the whole app got a great up, update. Uh, there's, when it crashes, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, maps. Yeah, but yeah, the, a nice job of integrating it into Google+. Plus. Yeah, I did my first um, public review today on that local so what here you, you say go. About it, here you go, right here. If you see that little um, side panel, that yeah, is that's now nice. that's local. So and that is cool. nice on a tablet. Man. In there, you have your restaurants, your cafes, your bars, your attractions. It's basically places, but it's right it built into maps now. It has recommendations based on your reviews. Uh, it has some more in this area. Uh, you can see down down towards the bottom there. So that looks good on the tablet. Man. It's pretty slick, I, I have to say. And then I noticed there was a thing. I, I review stuff. I check in. I play with latitude because I'm a delivery driver by day. So I, I use a lot of these location-based uh, apps. And it asked me if I wanted to make all of my reviews public. And then it, in turn, ties all of your reviews to your Google Plus account, which thus furthers the plusification of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> and it shows you distance too. If they're open now, you can sort by price. I mean, there's a ton of refinements, is what they're calling this list here. Those are refinements uh, in their motels, pizza restaurants, Mexican restaurants, sporting goods stores, movie theaters, steakhouse, bakeries, ever, anything you could want. It, it's all right there. Very. You, it is so snappy. helpful. When I took my my road trip back in January, you know. I didn't know where the heck I was going far as trying to find something to eat and find somewhere to, you know, park or what have you. But and that see, little that... app back then before the update was still pretty strong. But now they just refined it like that. It's just going to get get even better. And that use case, I, I'm friends with a couple of restaurants here and I got them listed on there as well as, as my day job. And I, I told them, you know, nowadays people don't reach for a phone book. When, when they nope. want to go somewhere, they're already in their car. They pull up their phone and they say, what's near me? And if you're not listed in there, 
you're going to get skipped. No one's going to go That's there. True. No one's going to see you. I mean, the locals, sure. But here in Montana, I live in Kalispell, Montana. This is a very touristy uh, the economy here is very summer focused. You know, everybody makes their money in three months, and then hopefully that lasts them through the winter. Uh, other than the ski resort, obviously, which is winter based. But if you're not getting to those people who aren't locals, and they all have smartphones now, they're all from Canada <laughs> because we're sixty miles from Canada. They don't know where you're at. This knows where you're at, and it's going to, based on where you are currently, it's going to tell you, you know, within five miles, within walking distance, within a price range. It's all right there, and they've done a great job with it. So I love it, man. It's been spot on with me, and, I mean, I'm not in huge cityville or anything like that, and it still picked up pretty much everything around me, you know, that's publicly listed, and down to the point two miles you know yep it's crazy (laughs) it is really really neat and keeping keeping on the google uh uh, tip here they're going to add events coming soon this is uh the next web reporting that they say uh spotted in the wild google plus events feature on its way and it's going to tie into our favorite google calendar which to me This is something that they have been missing. Facebook was great for planning events. Invite your friends. It's in their calendar. I can share it. It was all right there. Google was missing that functionality. But now that we have Google+, Plus, we have Google Calendar already, which is amazing. We wouldn't be able to get our time zones straight if it wasn't for Google Calendar. You know, I mean, we do this show. I'm in Montana. You're in Carolina. You're in California. You're in California. Like, it does it, you know, and it's great. And so I think with adding events to it, it's going to make it more like Facebook, but it's going to be a Googly version of, of events. And I think that's great. You know, guys, I just went over to some maps and clicked on the little new local thing. And what it's showing me is restaurants. Um, yep. Why is it not showing me car repair? Because Other- more times than not, when somebody is using that service, they're looking for food. Because we have an obesity epidemic, the likes of which has never been seen on this planet before. Who's going to make it worse? I'm hungry. Yeah. I I'm need food. We're looking for everything fried. I had to period. stuff my <laughs> fat face as much as I can because I don't know when I might eat again. We eat breakfast and then start worrying about when are we going to eat lunch? I know. We're such <laughs> pigs. When did we go so wrong? I'm going back to hunting and gathering. It's ridiculous. Uh, they say this is something, like I mentioned, that Facebook has done very well over the years, and it's weird that Google Plus did not offer that similar functionality, especially given the fact Google Plus or Google also offers their calendar. Uh, then there were some signs last week that Google was plotting to fix this, uh, but if you need more conclusive evidence, all you need to do is look at these screenshots. I'll post them in the show notes, and if you're listening live, there's the link in the chat. So they look good. It looks really good. Introducing events in Google+. Now you can use Google+, Plus to create events with your circles. Yay. And your Google+, Plus events will show up in your calendar. You can attach photos. You can schedule hangouts ahead of time, which that might be handy for the show. We can schedule the hangout, have it in a calendar, make it public. Everybody's invited. Voila. And then you can discuss the event, make plans, or swap stories, all focused around your Google Plus account, which is just another reason for me to just say, peace out, Facebook. I mean, I'll never leave Facebook because everybody's there, and I need to spam people, but this is a great alternative. I like to point out that Robert Marsol in our chat room here, he uh, he's also um, someone I follow on Google Plus. And- uh-huh. It was funny today. He he mentions you know the difference between Google Plus and Facebook. It's about twenty reasons, and he says number one, Google Plus is not Facebook. Number two, <laughs> Google Plus is not Facebook. Uh. Number three, <laughs> and it went on and on, you know. But man, he's he's. I think Google I, Plus is slowly turning the corner. Just slowly turning the corner because it's I, a different 
format. It's more than that, reach, though. You know? I feel like it's so much more than that. It's for Google. It's all about getting those extra signals. Being able, Google is a search company and an ad company, and all this other stuff. Believe it or not, is to feed them signals so that they can better search and serve search. you ads. They don't That's give a right. crap about That's... anything else but you using the internet, viewing their ads, hopefully clicking on a couple, and, and going away. That's all. That's all they need. That's it. And why base your search functionality on somebody else's service? We've learned this time and time again. If you were a, a Twitter app developer, you got effed in the A by Twitter. They took your functionality, killed your app, killed your API. We saw this with uh, Facebook and the search uh, cutting the, the contract or whatever. Twitter did the same thing. Why would you build your search real-time functionality on somebody else's platform when you could just take or cut, fix it, name it Google Plus, and there's your signals. Done and done. I used to deliver to an Ashley Furniture. They had a big fountain, and I had to fill it up <laughs> with RO water, five-gallon jugs, one at a time, because they didn't, want it to, they didn't want it to streak. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ashley Furniture, wow. They, then they went out of business, so go figure. Yeah, they're dead. Yeah, <laughs> you're dead to me. All right, uh, let's wrap this up. One more story, uh, just because we've been all happy on Google. We have a privacy group here that wants Google's driverless cars off the road. Like, are you serious? This is a privacy group calling on the California Assembly to keep Google's self-driving cars off the road. Uh, Consumer Watchdog, uh, they're a popular group, yeah. Uh, they're, oh, if you don't know, they're a nonprofit privacy group. They sent an open letter to the assembly today urging members to defeat a bill, SB 1289, that would allow Google self-driving cars on California's roads unless the bill is amended to provide adequate privacy protection for the car's users. So you want like a do not track? In the header, I mean, how do you, like, what do you want? What do you, privacy died like eight years ago. Are you just now realizing that? What is the car going to do? Oh, hey, he's over here. Come get him. Like, shut up, consumer watchdog. Here's the letter if you guys want to read it. Uh, there's a PDF download link here. I'll put it in the live chat if you're curious. Uh, they say, quote, while we don't propose to limit the ability of the cars to function by communicating as necessary with satellites and other devices that cause cancer, uh, the collection and retention of data for marketing and other purposes should be banned. This is Jamie Court, president of Consumer Watchdog, and John Simpson. So privacy. she's automatically assuming... Yes, that data is going to be used for yes. marketing. And, and automatically assuming that. No, never mind the fact that if you're in this automated car, there's probably some app in there just like what maps or you know my tracks or this, this stuff that you're going to be that you're going to be using yourself. Anyway, I mean, if you're in an automatic car, you're not you're not going to be thinking a whole lot. You right. got everything else in that car doing stuff for you. Hence, you're going to need that network. Hence, you're going to need the the system to feed you the, the information you're looking for and two what? things first of all when you assume what happens you make an ass out of you no, and me. I, yes no. you do yes you do ass out of you and me <laughs> you and me um the second thing people are idiots this happened when google's cars were driving around sucking up public wi-fi data and people are like oh you can't have that you're broadcasting it publicly. I can do whatever the hell I want with it. If you don't want it out there, don't broadcast it publicly. I thought that was the most ridiculous thing. And besides, what are they going to do with it? Besides, when you open up Wi-Fi, it knows where you're at quicker, which is helpful, I think, instead of it waiting for your GPS to lock. If it knows Serenity, my access point, is right here and it never moves, then when I connect to that, yeah, I'm home. Duh. You're going to serve me ads? Like, I see five billboards on my way home. Who cares? But people, people just don't understand that, you know, how that works. And that even if your, your, your Wi-Fi point is web encrypted, it can be popped in two seconds flat. And that it's still broadcasting 
and what are you going to do with that information, really, besides make maps work better? I think people don't really understand the definition of privacy anymore. They don't, right? That's you the know, key problem. In my opinion, privacy is when I close my door, nobody else sees what I'm watching on my computer over here. Right. It's not when I post something on Facebook, I only want three people to read it. That's ridiculous. Then send them an email. And even email's not private. Even then, it's not private. Unless you run the (laughs) mail server and encrypt it end-to-end. Like, it's... Who does that? I mean, Steve Gibson, you know, but... People, general, (laughs) everyday people, they don't know and they don't care. And all they do is latch on to one of these these, uh, movements, for lack of a better term. It's like Mothers Against Drunk Driving would be happy for Google's automated cars because they're not drinking and driving. These people are like, oh, but our privacy. And Matt is like, your privacy. You know, this is saving lives. Google's saving lives and serving ads. So Google has been pushing ahead with its research into developing autonomous automobiles that can be sold commercially. Earlier this month, the Nevada Department of Motor Vehicles gave Google the state's first license for driverless cars. Well, that was pretty cool. Uh, it was also the first autonomous vehicle license ever issued in the United States. Quote, the cars have a number of sensors such as cameras, lasers, radar, all to monitor road conditions and improve the technology. That's Chris Geither. Uh, For our testing purposes, the cars log data about their performance, how fast they're going, where they are, where they detect obstacles, etc., as well as data from the equipment on the car. Now, what could be a problem is you get in an accident. The car says, you were doing 90. You told the cop you were doing 65 because that's the speed limit. (laughs) So maybe... Maybe in that, uh, you know, maybe then I, I want that to be private. But you know that getting into the vehicle in the first place, it's not like, oh, all of a sudden, gotcha. Like, you know this moving forward. So what do you do? People are people, and they're going to complain regardless. I put a firewall on my car. I don't care. So now yeah, it has two. That. Now it has two firewalls. You'd be the first guy with a rooted Google self-driving car. I know. Talk about <laughs> war driving. <laughs> Who's war driving now? Yeah, that's right. All right. Uh, <clears throat> anything else we want to cover before we get out of here? We're right at an hour. So. Sounds like it's it. Is that it? Is that another yats? Chats? I think there's another yats, yats, man. Ended on a good note could, as usual. Could be another yats. Could be another yats. Thanks for the chats. It could be another yats. Check us out every week, usually on uh, Wednesdays, yetanothertechshow.com. Subscribe in iTunes, please. Make sure you write us a review. Pass us around to your friends. Follow the Google+. Plus. We got a Twitter. We got a Facebook page, all that stuff. And individually and as a whole, interact with us socially. Thanks for listening, guys. Ant. Keep spreading the word, people. Hasta luego. Aunt Larry, Mike Rothman, and I'm Matt Lee, and this has been yet another tech show. We'll See you next week. Thanks. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.